So I have a short, short word. I'm literally going to be five minutes, but I felt this is God. So, okay, don't hold me today, but I'm going to be quick. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, all right? I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors, ancestors in, the, in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as they followed Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual water. Can you hear all of them? Okay. When we were in Malawi, once we went fishing on an island across in the lake and the guy who rowed us there in a dugout canoe, his name was All of Us. I, was, I thought he meant, are we going to go, all of us? I said, yeah, all of us are going. Said, yes. What's your name? All of us. Yeah, yeah, we're all going. We're all going. And so after about six or seven exchanges, I realized his name is all of us. Okay, anyway, I just remembered that when I read the scripture. These things happened as warnings to us. Okay, verse five, sorry. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. So all of them went through, were led by the cloud. All of them went through the, through, the, through the sea. Can you imagine the Red Sea? As they followed Moses, they were baptized. It symbolized what Adriana did in the ocean and in the Caribbean. They followed into, into all that God had. And, and, and all of them ate the same food. All of them drank the same spiritual fruit, food. But yet God was not pleased with most of them. Wow. All of them, but God wasn't pleased with most of them. And their bodies lay scattered in the wilderness. God didn't kill them. They just naturally came to the end of their life. And, and they were scattered in the desert. And as we know, an entire generation literally died in the desert as God tried to take slavery out of them after taking them out of slavery. This is my cry to us in, a, in, a, in the world that we live. In which area are you closing your heart down and not allowing God to, to remove the, de, the desires of that which is a previous nature from you? Why do you think circumcision? Oh my gosh, what not, why not rather shave your eyebrows? Because circumcision represented a, a painful cutting away of that which held us back, of the old. And letting go of the old, friends, is the very thing that causes God to look at us and be pleased with us. It's a big deal. You know why it's a big deal? Because it literally stops the kingdom from coming into this place and becoming a reality. And we, we don't have the urgency. Oh, the urgency in my life, it's not passion. It's just an urgency for us to walk into that more and more and more and fully until we see this full transformation as I just read about in Hebrews. The full trans transformation. That we are free from the lusts and desires of this world. And like Gideon's 9,700 soldiers, we don't allow our desire to overcome the reason why we are here. You are not here for you. It's not about you. Said very lovingly by a loving pastor. <laughs> it's not about me. It's about the kingdom being manifest through you. And in the process, you are just blessed and loved by God and made whole. So verse 6, these things happened as a warning to us. And this is not a beating, okay, please. It's just a warning. So that we would not crave the evil things as they did. Or worship idols as some of them did. As the scripture says, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulge in all kinds of pagan revelry. And we must not engage in the feasting and the drinking, 
as they did. Sexual immorality, as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. And let's not grumble, as some of them did. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that there was zero grumbling on this trip. It was a joke. I couldn't, it was like, Jess was true. It was like, unusual. I was waiting for someone to moan, but no one moaned. <laughs> Only me, I moaned. We had so much white bread. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised on a saying, eat white bread, you'll soon be dead. Anyway, I was the only one who grumbled. And don't grumble as some of them did. And then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. And if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptation is your life are no different, in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand or bear. In other words, if you say, whoa, I was so tempted, I couldn't handle it anymore. No, you could handle it. No, you could handle it. Because God promised us that He'd never give us or allow temptation to come to us more than we can handle. So we can handle it. And this warning has to be heeded. Why? Because our purpose overwhelms everything else. It doesn't delegitimize our desires and our emotions. No, they're real. No, I have a real desire for certain things. I really do. But I have to weigh these things up. Why? Because of a love relationship. I have a love relationship with Christ. And it's so practical and so simple. You can, you can put that right in your marriage. I have a desire for things that Kath doesn't have a desire for. And I've loved things that I don't really love, but Kath loves them, so I love things that Kath loves by association. That's how it works in our relationship with Christ. Because nothing can outgrow a relational reality. Anything that we put in place without a relational reality is an idol. It's basically religion. And all your energy will go to prop this thing up, stop it, let it crash and burn, and walk back and find a relationship, and as we grow in a relationship, everything else comes along. That's why God is not far off. He's with us. He's in our hearts. He's in our mouths. He's in our lives. So my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You reasonable people, decide for yourself if what I am saying is true or not. When we bless the cup of the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Jesus? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Jesus? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one in body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifice of the altar? So what am I trying to say? I'm saying that food offered to idols has some significance or idols are real gods. No, not at all. I'm saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons and not to God and I don't want you to participate with demons. Okay, this is heavy language. This is heavy language. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons. And... Dave and I had this conversation on, on the dock under the moonlight next to the crystal blue ocean. <laughs> he was telling me about uh, something I think Tim Keller said about fishermen. When fish go, they come out of the water and they come into the air and we eat them. Fish cannot live on the land. Neither can we live under the water without a breathing apparatus. True? We have no gills. And when Jesus saves us, he saves us out of darkness and places us into the light. And so he's stern, urgent 
warning or admonition or encouragement towards us is to live no longer according to the, to the, to the old nature of man. And our relational maturity will bring us to a place where we can recognize that so that we don't want anything to do with it after identifying it. Right? A child has no ability to reason like that. They want what they want. And if they don't get it, they scream. Not with us. We are growing. We are maturing in the things of Christ so that we can want what we want and recognize that these things are idols and we cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. We cannot live underwater and above ground. We cannot be in the kingdom of darkness and in the kingdom of light. There is literally no middle ground. And that is where the circumcision of the heart is everything. Everything. If you are longing for that place and you are constantly going back to that place and the pattern repeats itself over and over and over and over, thank the Lord Jesus Christ that you are in community. And so today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. Totola was awesome, but I want to tell you now, God has given us the nations of the earth. The nations of the earth. The nations of this earth has been given to us. And I feel this, and I say this softly, because it's a dangerous thing to say. Are you ready to go? <laughs> and the rest of you? Are you ready to go? Verse 22. What? <clears throat> Verse 21. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons. You cannot eat from the Lord's table and from the table of demons. What? Do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than He is? Verse 23. You say, I am allowed to do anything because Jesus loves me. But not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything because Jesus loves me, but not everything is beneficial for you. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Because we are mature enough not to partake in certain things for the sake of others. Why? So the kingdom can come and be manifest in the lives of those. Friends, if you can see how God sees you, wow. If we could see how God truly sees us, I think we should think about that for a long time. He sees us perfect in Christ. When we, because we were trained in a negative way of thought. Our ears are geared towards hearing negative. My mouth is geared towards speaking negative. I say it ashamedly because I want, I'm identifying it. I'm confessing it. I'm repenting of it. I don't want it anymore. I want to speak life in the face of a different reality. When I see death, I want to speak life. Surely that's salvation. Surely that's the gospel. If I'm still swayed this way and that way by every little thing that happens in my life, I'm still a baby. And yet God, Paul says, is faithful. Oh my goodness. But the saddest reality for me is if we, if we totally disengage from that world and everything the world dictates to us, every desire we have, everything we want, everything the world says we should be, is just what we go with. We have a higher call. You are beautiful. You are powerful. You are perfect in Christ. You are righteous. You are in right standing with God because of the blood of Christ. And if we partake of that reality, the way we live changes, changes and as a result of that life, 
changes everything around us. It's not Pharisaicism. It's the outworking of the gospel. Ah. While I was sitting tiling this silly bathroom, these things went through my mind. Dave and I were talking about just the things of God and the work and the processes of God in our lives. We can no longer live carnal, friends. If we want to make a change in our society, it's not by pitching a tent in the town square and screaming through a loudspeaker. It's going to be because we said yes to Jesus and as a result of that we've said no to drunkenness, to debauchery, to idol worship, to sexual immorality. We've said no to those things. And if Paul warns the church of Corinthians, I feel if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. It's good enough for me. It's good enough for me. And so in closing, I've got so many pages of great things to say here. <laughs> to be... <laughs> God loves you. You have to see what God made you to be. You have to see it. And you know what we did right in the beginning of this, of this talk, when we declared things over Rich and Adele. You know that when Alessandro this morning read, read the scripture by Elijah and Elisha, and God opened his eyes so he could see that more are for us than those that are against us. When we speak these words, God makes them come into existence. He gives the angels charge over Rich and Adele because we are empowering these words of life Words are so key. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not kidding. I'm totally preaching to myself here, alright? If I could sit there and preach to myself, this is for me. To look at a situation of death and destruction and not be caught up in the frustration of it, but to declare the purposes of God non-stop, ongoingly, into their lives. Because honestly, what they are doing is literally impossible. God has called us to an impossible lifestyle. Hence our need for grace. The power, the empowering presence of God in our lives. So to be a Christian equals transformation. We cannot just be those who live exactly like the world. And I can give you tons of examples. You know all the things the world does. The only difference between us and the world is we come to church on Sundays. No. No. It's time for transformation. It's time to mature. It's time to rise up into. It's time to take a hold of that which Christ has taken a hold of us for. This is not a beating. It's, it's, just a, it's just 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay? And without love, we have no authority because this entire thing is based on love, right? Like I've said 10 times, you can't love and judge at the same time. Yaku, you can't love and judge at the same time, okay? Everybody point your fingers at me. You can't love and judge at the same time. You just can't. Love is the currency for this transformation. And I'm going to read this last paragraph and I'm done. What was Jesus like? What does Jesus look like? Do you, does he look like you? Or do you look like him? There's four things. Number one, he doesn't react when someone does or says something bad about him. How many of you have ever felt, wow, this has gone too far, I need to do something about it? Jesus was falsely accused, wrongly trialed, 
there was no legal premise that he retorted to, that he reverted to, to stand on, to make a case for himself. He gave himself and he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And the Bible says he did not open his mouth. Friends, that's what Jesus is like. I want to be like that. Who wants to be like that? Please, I want to be like that. Number two, he forgave. Of all the things that he could have said on the cross, the last words he chose to say was, Father, forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. It's okay, Father, forgive him. Then if someone does something to me or says something to me, the first thing I do, I call my friend and I slay that person to give me a false sense of hope and security. Instead of saying, saying sometimes comes before the heart and emotions. I forgive. Why? Because I want to be like Jesus. Why? Because only then does heaven come to earth. Father, forgive them. He could have said, Father, okay, I'm on my way up. Let's wipe them out. I've had enough. He said, Father, forgive them. The third thing, mercy trumps injustice. There was a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. She was probably a prostitute. The Pharisees tried to make a point and try to bring the law into this thing and dragged her out because the penalty of law for adultery was stoning by death by stoning. And as they dragged her out, threw her down, they didn't start killing her. They found Jesus to drag him in. And there he proved. Remember what Hebrews 1 says, he is exactly like the Father. He proved to them that he is exactly like Father God. And he looked to them, and, and, and I don't know what he wrote in the sand. Some people have some clever things that he wrote in the sand. But anyway, he knelt down, wrote something in the sand, and said... The one without the first, without sin, throw the first stone. And what he did there, he infused that space with mercy. They dropped their rocks and they left. And he looked at her and he says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Because Jesus, because only Jesus can set you free. Truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's one of the things that, that nailed him to the cross. The truth. The next thing that Jesus did, peace over violence. In America, I know there's a lot of justification for violence. In Canada too, everywhere with the human beings, there's justification. It's called the, the holy war philosophy. Jesus did exactly the opposite. At the moment when the soldiers arrived to take him to the cross, Peter did like John would have done. John would have ripped out his sword and said, No, you won't take Alessandro. <laughs> or oh, whatever, I'm just making it up. He reverted to violence to solve the problem. Do we revert to violence? If you can't have your own way, do you throw a temper tantrum? That's violent. It's a fruit of the flesh. It's called a fit of rage. And Jesus knelt down, picked up Malchus's ear and said, Pete, chill. If I wanted to, I could have called the whole angel army. Get it. Do you not get it? This is the contrary to the kingdom of this world. Peace over violence. Put his feet, put his ear on. 
But we live in a culture that feeds violence. Feeds it. Inadvertently. Honestly, it's... Listen, music, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy from the 80s preaching against rock music. I love music. Video games? TV shows? Violence. Jesus, peace over violence. And lastly, led by the Spirit, not common sense or ambition. He was led by the Spirit, not common sense but ambition. Do you remember what, what Ziggy said about about Gideon being in, from Manasseh. Manasseh lived in caves. There was no wind in caves. That's where Gideon was threshing the wheat. Without the wind, wheat cannot be threshed. If we are not led by the Spirit, we will always eat a mixed diet of the kingdom and the world. The kingdom of the world. And we wonder why we're sick and we're never free. And we sulk at the drop of a hat. And we're offended because we're playing into a culture because we are not led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. There was a massive crowd around Jesus and his disciples. His brothers said to him when he was at home, he said, Jesus, honestly, if you're trying to build a ministry, yes, if you're the Messiah, get out there, dude. Go and do it. Go and build your ministry. A couple of months later, Jesus is on the, on the shores of, lakes of, of the Lake of Galilee, and according to the theologians, there were about 5,000 people that followed Jesus. And they were all sitting there waiting for him to preach and to teach and in the middle of all that, he said to his disciples, Hey boys, it's time for us to go. And the disciples were like, What? Look at all these people. Can have an impact here. Can take a fat offering. No, nope, let's go to the other side of the lake. Judas might have said, Hey, let's just take an offering first and then go. <laughs> I'm just making that up. Sorry, that was stupid. But he was not led by the obvious. He was not motivated by ambition. Ever. The world is definitely that. If you're not ambitious in the world, you're literally a failure. And he was not led by the obvious, the things that were in front of him. He was led by the Spirit. We cannot be like everyone else, but we go to church. We have to be those who live by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, to bring in the kingdom. Jesus set people free. Do you set people free? Yaku, do you set people free? <sighs> set free. Set people free. Amen.